Welcome, friends, to the Girl Mom Podcast. This is Carrie Kampakis, your host. Today's episode is about an issue that Christians today are really struggling with, and that is how to live out our faith in a world that's grown increasingly hostile to Christians. My dad has always said that problems begin when people drift away from God. And when I look at the state of our current society, I realize that that is the root issue. So many people today were desperate for help, but for different reasons, many people are not ready to hear or accept that trying to do life without God is only going to lead to dead-end roads. Once again, I have the beautiful Mary Lauren Burdishaw joining me and sharing her wisdom on this topic as a young adult. Whether you're listening to this episode as a parent, a teenager, a college student, or in some other phase of life, my prayer is that you find it helpful, hopeful, and relevant to our times. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Mary Lauren, welcome back to the Girl Mom Podcast. Um, I'm excited about this conversation. You know, we usually pick our topics as you're leaving from the previous podcast, and I'm not even sure how we landed on this one, but I think it was something that we started talking about. We both had a lot of ideas to share of um, how it's just more difficult to be a Christian today versus even five or 10 years ago. So I'm excited to see where this goes. And I would love to hear, you know, some of your experiences and maybe are you are you feeling a difference in you know, trying to live out your faith now versus maybe when you were growing up or in a different season of your life? You know, yes. I think this topic we could talk about for hours just because there's so many different levels to it and angles you could come at it from. But something I'm thinking about now is just how many options um, people in our generation have, not only for, you know, in the Christian world, well, not only just in the world in general, we have so many options of places to eat, um, places to go, things to wear. But also in the Christian world, we have so many options of, you know, we have access to every single worship playlist. We have access to every single message on YouTube from any pastor, um, so many different books and blog posts and social media accounts to look at and to look to um, in our faith when, you know, the main thing that's always been the main thing that always will be the main thing is going to the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus and hungering for his word and growing in intimacy and prayer with him. It's just, and he doesn't make it complicated. Our world does. Um, but it's hard to see that when we have so many options and different things to go to and sources to run to, it becomes increasingly more difficult to see the main thing. Oh, that is so good. I mean, I could not have said that any better. And you just raised so many good points there. And it is so true that and I think Emily Freeman has a podcast called The Next Right Thing. And, and she started it because I think the premise is that we make 35,000 decisions a day, like mm. the typical person. And so, you know, her big thing, and, and I think this was something that came from Martin Luther King and maybe Mother Teresa and a bunch of people who come before us, but they said, don't don't look at the whole plan. You know, look, focus on the next right thing, mm-hmm. really trying to discern that next right step. And I think that gets lost. We're just so overwhelmed with all the information and yes. too many opinions and all of that. Yes. And, you know, our God is a God of order and peace mm-hmm. and not confusion and disorder. Yes. And I think about that all the time, that, you know, our world is just so confused and so many boundaries and lines have just totally blurred and it's made things so feel so complicated. Yes. But it's really not. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, one thing, I, you know, going back to the Bible, and I feel like sometimes with all the resources out there, which I'm constantly filling up on podcasts and books and all of that, but something that I've really enjoyed doing in recent years is really going back to, through my husband's church, the Greek Orthodox Church, I have a lot of friends and they share like their favorite um, church fathers, books from the church fathers. These books that were written 
1,600 years ago. And it's so crazy to me that I'm like, real truth is never going to change, that mm-hmm. their times were so different. Even when I read C.S. Lewis's work, I think that was from the 40s and before that. But I'm like, it's so crazy how the truth doesn't change. And right. how I was like, that's really why we've got to keep going back to the basics. Yes. And, Keep going back to the Bible. And, yes. you know, what did Jesus originally say? Yes. Because that's what's going to last. And uh-huh. so many of these things that are trendy right now are popular. You right. know, they're not, you know, it's going to be just like things in the past. Yes. It might get, you know, you can build a huge empire on it at this point in time. But mm-hmm. if it's not real and eternal, it's not going to last. Yes. Especially to looking at how many things are subjective and open for interpretation in our world today. It brings so much peace and confidence knowing you know, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord will last forever. And um, like that, that imperishable seed of God's word, like that's what our salvation is based on. And that should be what our life is based on. Um, and even like I think about in Hebrews 12, this is a paraphrase, but it basically says, you know, everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that the things that cannot be shaken will be revealed. And that's a crazy thing to think about. And we've all experienced something or someone or a relationship or a job that's been shaken and just kind of the turmoil and disorder that comes with that thing shaking. Um, but it's kind of comforting to know, all right, if it hasn't shaken yet, even if it's not until Jesus returns, every single thing that can be shaken will be shaken for one reason, so that the things that cannot be shaken will be revealed. And so what a call just to bank our lives on those things that will never be shaken, which are God's word, which are his truth. Um, And going back to what you said about just the decision-making, oh my goodness, the anxiety that cripples people with making the next right decision. And I mean, I just came out of a season in college where everyone was deciding where to move, what job to accept, who to live with, all the things. And it was just this repetitive anxiety I noticed creeping in so many hearts and minds. And I don't know, it's just, he never, he didn't, he doesn't mark us, you know, like by our decision-making, like he marks us by our faith, you know, our faithfulness. And so it's, it's reassuring, even looking at scripture, Peter, you know, he denied Jesus three times. He made the decision to deny the name of Jesus. I don't think you can make a dumber decision than that, but still just seeing how he wasn't defined by that horrible decision. Like he was, re- he was defined by God's restorative faithfulness. And you see it in Acts how he's leading thousands of people to Jesus. It's just so cool that that horrible decision didn't define him. Right, so, and I love that too. That you know, and he was even chosen to be the leader of the first church. You know that he yes. not only that, but he was the rock that they built the church upon, mm-hmm. even though he had made those big mistakes. Mm-hmm. And we talk about Peter is brought up a lot in the Catholic Church because he's such a great and relatable example for us of somebody that messed up all the time that mm-hmm. we can all relate to and yet God still used him in big and important ways because yes. he was you know willing to admit those mistakes and let God work through him and that's all he's asking of us to do too mm-hmm. which is so set apart to just admit when you're wrong yeah to humble yourself that is something so rare but shows a deeper settled confidence in the one who's defending you justifying you because I feel like nowadays, no one wants to let their guard down, you mm-hmm. know, or admit, I dropped the ball on this. Yes. Know? And that's what I'm seeing, especially, you know, just working with teenagers. And you think, okay, so what does the world without God look like? And mm-hmm. I'm like, just everything that we're seeing now. And, right. And it's very interesting as a writer, because 
you know, I'm a Christian writer, and I don't, not every article or thing that I write, it doesn't always have Jesus or God in there, but that is my root faith. That is my root belief system, mm-hmm. and everything kind of points back to them. Everything I believe is because of my faith. But one thing I learned very early on was when I started writing and really sharing it publicly, I was still sharing it locally. And so, you know, we live in the South, and so locally people agree there's a Christian culture still here. Not as much maybe now as there were a few years ago, but in the South we have a Christian culture, so it's not it's not unusual to talk about God or Jesus or have it in an article. But as I started to grow and I'd have articles in different publications, I started getting pushback on that. And um, and it's, it's probably the number one criticism I've gotten over time with my work is that, you know, people will get comments like, you know, you had me until God, you know, mm-hmm. or you lost me at Jesus or putting mm-hmm. Jesus number one, you know, was a deal breaker for me. And I'll never forget, it was one article that I wrote. This was so helpful. And I think this is why it's good to have that older wisdom in your life. But um, it was one article I'd written. It did well on my website, and um, an international publication was about to publish it. They they wanted to publish it, and they sent me an email, and it was a very polite email, but they asked if I could take God out of the article because they, they said, we think it'll get more shares and appeal to more people without that in there. And I knew I didn't want to do that, but I needed somebody to help affirm that for me. I needed a sounding board. So I called my dad, and you know, my dad could just give it to you in a one-liner, and he was like, Carrie, he's like, it's not worth it. He said, that article is temporary, and God is forever. Mm. And I was like, thank you. That is what I needed to hear, mm-hmm. and it's so true. Like, we can get so cool. I've got this big article. It's going viral, all of this, but it really is not that big of a deal. You know, it's mm-hmm. just something that people are reading today, but in five or ten years, it's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing with that story was, you know, I, I was very polite back and asked, you know, really, this was part of my faith system, and I didn't want to take that part out. And they still published it, which I appreciated. But the crazy thing was that um, that article ended up getting a million shares. Wow. It was their um, one of their top articles for the entire year. You know, it come, came out at the end of the year. And it was it was the biggest article I've ever written. And so I, it was, to me, that doesn't always happen in these situations. But to me, I felt like it was a little God wink mm-hmm. that he saw that and that, you know, there are more people who do have those beliefs, you know, than we mm-hmm. think. Um, but like I said, you know, I think that what I've realized over time is that so many people want the type of messages that I write about or that you talk about, about being kind and forgiving and admitting when you're wrong and trying to become the best version of yourself, trying to make the world a better place, you know, finding your purpose in this world. People want those messages, but they don't want to hear the God part. Mm -hmm. It's like they don't want to hear that the only way we can be kind is with the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. Mm -hmm. And I just know that for myself because I'm like, if I don't, I can tell when I need to spend time with God or when I haven't been nurturing my faith because I'm grumpy and Mm -hmm. I'm angry and I'm quick to judge and I'm not kind. And so I know the difference. And then I know that when I do, I am trying to work on my faith and I am more aware of those things that I'm like, anything I do right or something that comes out of my mouth, I'm like, wow, that was pretty good, but that wasn't for me. (laughs) That's not how I think normally, but I know it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I think that that's really our call as Christians is just to show people like, okay, this is what it means to be a Christian. It's not about being perfect because we are just like everybody else. You know, we are a community of sinners and we are on the same boat. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to judge other people, but it's just that really our sins look different. You know, you know our, some sins are hidden or some are more obvious. But, mm-hmm. but you know, it's like really how we live in our life and, you know, being a light to other people and inspiring them in their life too and their journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people have totally redefined being a light or they confuse that with being seen and having attention and having a lot of numbers 
following them or recognizing them for their name. And I think we forget we are all nothing without him. And, you know, you, I'm so, that's why one of the reasons why I'm so inspired by you is because you've had the constant decision, like with your skill and with this gift, um, you could reach a lot of people, you know, you do reach a lot of people, but when it comes down to the choice of like risking, maybe not reaching as many people, but keeping the name of Jesus, there's so much eternal, you already said that, but just eternal weight and fruit that comes with that because it's no small thing. Because he says, those who acknowledge my name among men, I will also acknowledge them among my Father in heaven. Mm -hmm. And I just know that those decisions are going to show up in heaven. And yeah, I think, you know, I've never had a black and white decision like that. Someone explicitly asking me to take the name of Jesus out. But, you know, there are little decisions day to day and just over the course of years that really don't make sense unless you know the Lord and hear him speaking to you. And something that comes to mind is senior year when it is time to make all those decisions and to decide where are you moving post-grad? What kind of job are you going to have? The list never stops. Um, I prayed about it beginning of senior year because I knew that was going to be a hard decision for me to make because there's so many things I wanted to do and places that sounded fun to go. But I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, how do you want me to prepare? And it wasn't until a few days later I was reading a verse I've read 1,000 times, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I've literally read that again so many times, but it just almost, it's like it alighted on my heart in a new way of just that call to be still and just to wait on the Lord and to trust in His timing. It was like jumped out of the page and like marked my heart that day of like, this is what you're called to do in this season. And so, you know, all year I would get asked, Mary Lauren, you know, I'm watching my friends get engaged and accept jobs and make moves to travel, go to different cities. And I would get asked all the time, where are you moving? I don't know. (laughs) What job are you going to take? I'm not sure. (laughs) They're like, are you interviewing? I'm like, "Mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm. Like, have you applied anywhere? I'm like, not yet. (laughs) And it just, you know, it was like foolish to them. Like, they were like, what? Like, how, how, why? That just does not sound wise. But it was kind of a cool opportunity to minister to people of like, because, you know, I'm, like my audience is the Lord, you know, I'm not trying to have this cool answer to like answer men and people that ask me that man, you know, when man, like they want answers, they want to be impressed. They want to, you know, be wowed by your plans and your future. But, you know, the Lord, he has a different way of leading us sometimes, you know, like little by little he'll lead us. And I think it's just so important to like not discount the ways he leads us and to not confuse, you know, having a clarity or having, you know, a lot of favor from people, don't mistake that as light or as being set apart, um, because that's not always what it looks like, you know. Oh, that's so good. And I know, and I think, you know, and this is what I've learned too, just, okay, so say I just make the choice. And, you know, one reason I do include Jesus and God in my writing is because I'm like, somebody has to talk about them, you know, <laughs> like somebody, and I understand mm-hmm. I do have writer friends who they don't do that so that they can reach people who might not go to church, who have been hurt by the church. And mm-hmm. they're, and I get it. There are a lot of people who have been hurt by Christians or the church, and that's why they want nothing to do with it. And mm-hmm. sometimes I see the things that Christians are doing or saying, and I'm like, I'd be turned off too if I didn't know right. what I know. But um, 
And so a lot of times I have friends who don't put that in their writing for that purpose, but they say as people email me and we have private conversations, I'm able to share my faith then. Like Mm -hmm. when they're asking me, how do you do this? Or how do you find peace in this situation? They say, well, I find it through my faith. Mm -hmm. And that allows them to be a light for God, but in that more personal space. So I've learned as a writer, you know, I don't judge anybody for what they're doing because we need all kinds of voices out there Mm -hmm. and we're all reaching different people. But I have found that as as I have tried to be faithful to God in what I'm writing or or putting his name out there, it's like the people who don't like it, okay, they might unfollow me or, or not want it. But that's okay because the people who hang along, who come along and stay with me, are the people that I've met the most amazing people. Like mm-hmm. I go to these events and these women who plan it and the, the women who come, I'm like, thank you, God. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm getting so much more back in return than I could possibly give to anybody else. And it mm-hmm. has been the biggest blessing in my life because mm-hmm. they're like hearted people. And so I'm like, it might not speak to everybody, and that's okay, but it's Mm -hmm. attracting the people into my life that God wants to shape me. Mm -hmm. And that has been the benefit that I never really anticipated was that, I mean, you know, meeting these women, I told my kids the other night, I'm like, not only are they praying for me weeks before I even come to this event, they're praying for you girls, they're praying for my whole family. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, who in this world does that anymore? Um, you know, I've talk, we've talked about my sweet friend, Leanne, Leanne Haynes in um, Mobile, who's her husband was with JH Ranch for a long time and the sweetest family. And, um, you know, one thing I love about our friendship and her is that we always will touch base every now and then we'll have a phone conversation. And at the end of the phone conversation, she'll always ask, can I pray for you? And she will take everything from our conversation and just lift it up to God. And I mean, I'm always amazed at what she remembers, all these little details and these things that she's praying for me, the fears, the struggles that I'm going through. And then I'll do the same for her. And I just always get off the phone feeling so refreshed and uplifted by that friendship. And I think that's how we're called to live. And, you know, growing up, I never prayed with my friends. We didn't do that for each other. But that has been a real eye-opener for me to, to do that for others. I know how much I've appreciated it. And even one of my daughters recently, I, you know, she was going through something hard and I wanted to give the pep talk and I'm like, she does not want my pep talk now. (laughs) She does not want my words. And I was just praying for God to give me guidance. And I felt him nudging me and just telling me, just, just ask if you can pray for her. And so I just prayed for her and it went, you know, I think it was so much better because it wasn't me trying to give, you know, lift her spirits or boost her morale. It was just her knowing that I love her and I care about her and that I'm lifting her up to the Lord. And I think there's something so special to have those friendships where you can do that for each other mm-hmm. and um, just encourage each other. Because, you know, one thing we found is there are not as many people. It feels like the whole world is turning away from God. But, you know, mm-hmm. I know that the ones who are still trying to live with an act of faith, they're, it's more activated even more in mm-hmm. times like this. And you're really finding those people who are like-minded and like-hearted and finding strength and, and encouraging each other. Yes. Kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's easier to find, you know, not the people that aren't lukewarm, you know, the people that are all the way on fire for the Lord who you really can call on. Like I have a friend like that too named Inslee Craven. I call her, I mean, whenever, like I'll send her a voice memo in the middle of the day. I'll call her late at night and just, if there's anything on my heart that I need prayer for in that moment, it's like I can just say it to her and she can say hers to me. And there's like just this covering there and like just this grace to like lift each other up to the name of the Lord. Cause that's the thing. Like, I mean, if there's any point that needs to be reemphasized, it's just that his name is the only name that's above every name, the name above anxiety, the name above indecisiveness, you know, then whatever the name is, it's like his name really does hold all power and all authority. And it's no wonder why when people read it or hear it, 
it does affect, you know, it, it, it's, it can be uncomfortable for people, you know, or can even offend some people who associate that precious name with maybe like hurt from the church or hurt by spiritual leaders, which that's so hard. And I mean, no judgment for people who have been hurt, but it's like when you read Philippians soon, it says, you know, that one day every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under, under the earth. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God, the father. It's like, that name, I can understand why it can make people uncomfortable, but like, we're going to be so thankful that we banked on his name and like brought it up when it needed to be brought up. And going back to what you said about, you know, how people might, you know, misunderstand why you like need to include that, or they might even turn away from it. It's like, there have been seasons of my life where I feel kind of misunderstood too. Cause I think the goal is for every single person to be like on the same page as me and to like back what I'm doing and to encourage what I'm doing. I just kind of expected that for a while. But then I look at the life of Jesus and he was misunderstood all the time. You know, like, you know, why didn't he speak, speak up for himself when people were accusing him? Why didn't he, you know, defend or rationalize or threaten people when they were harming it's it's just he he was misunderstood a lot but he knew that the goal wasn't to be understood by man it was to be faithful to his father that's our goal too you know to be faithful to our father and to realize he has entrusted us he does have a a place he's called us to and people that we're called to minister to and it might not be the whole world you know it might be that certain group of people that he's calling you to lead or to shepherd or speak into. And so it's so inspiring hearing about how you have so many people that look up to you and are inspired by you. But just what you said about those moms that you've gotten to like relate with and connect with because of your faith-based centered work, like that's such a clear picture of what it looks like to be faithful with what God's called you to. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of it goes back to, as I think about, you know, what does it mean to live out our faith? And obviously living out my faith and my job is different than somebody that's in mm-hmm. the, you know, the business world or somewhere else. I'm sure it's a lot harder. I mean, it is a lot harder mm-hmm. is living out your faith. And I think that, you know, one, one test, I mean, it's really a test of our faith is when we, we're about to lose something or we could potentially lose something we really, really care about. And that's when we, those are those moments where like, is this, am I, do I mean this when I say that I will listen to you, God, and I'll obey mm-hmm. you no matter what, um, that I will obey you and write this book, even though I think that this book that I could write might sell more copies, but I feel you calling me to write this book. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the moments that, um, that we really have to just make sure that our heart's in the right place. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've had to learn to do just for myself, if I, I've had to learn to detach from numbers and it's hard. Like even I think about even when Ella, my firstborn was a baby. I'd go to the pediatrician appointments and I always had my notebook and I was like, okay, what does she weigh? How long is she? You know, all the, and he was like, you like numbers, don't you? (laughs) Cause I was, I had my notebook full of numbers, but you know, I'm a goal oriented person. And I just always said like, this is, this is the number she's supposed to be, or this is, you know, we're supposed to be in this percentile. And I realized that I am a numbers person. So you translate that to a world where we have social media. It's so easy to get caught up in numbers and think, well, Okay, this article had a lot of shares. This must be right. But um, you know, I always tell teenage girls that you could totally be on the wrong track, and everybody's cheering you on. You cannot rely on human validation because we get it wrong sometimes. And no matter what choices you make, you'll have somebody cheering you on. That's why it's so important to keep going back to the truth and to God and to those godly friends who can help guide you. But one thing that that really stood out to me as I was writing liked, which was a lot about social media and finding your approval in God and not social media 
was um, my priest had, had proofread the book, and he always gives me these great insights along the way. And I forget where it was in the book, but it's basically about like, you know, don't, don't worry about the number of people you're reaching. It's really about the depth of your impact and not the width of your impact. And he's like, you know, in seminary, they taught us that if you help just one person get to heaven, you've been successful in your job. And I thought, wow, okay, he's a priest. And so his whole job is to help people in their faith journey, to help people get to heaven, you know, to help lead their hearts that way. And if they're telling a priest who might be doing this for 40 years, that you do this for 40 years, and if you just help one person get to heaven, you've been successful in your job, then what does that mean for the rest of us? And I think about that for the stay-at-home mom. He thinks I'm not doing anything but raising these kids. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you're shaping these little beautiful souls who will then go out and be disciples for Christ, and they will shape thousands of souls. You know, just mm-hmm. the impact you're having. You're raising three, four, or five kids, one child, but they're going to grow up and influence, you know, thousands of people in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it's all starting with these these little acts of love and these little things that you're teaching them today. Mm-hmm. So I think that we can get so caught up in that. And we both were talking about that quote from Christine Kane before we got on mm-hmm. that we love so much about. We think that being a light means being in the spotlight, and it doesn't. A lot of times it's being, you know, those quiet acts behind the scenes, just mm-hmm. loving somebody or being a light in somebody's life on a really dark day. But Christine Kane once wrote, if the light that is on you is brighter than the light that is in you, the light that is on you will destroy you. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes as Christians, we want to go do these big things for God, and we want to be speaking in front of 5,000 people, and that would be the most ungracious thing He could give us out the gates. Yes. <laughs> We're not ready for that. Yes. And it really is about being faithful in those little moments and uh-huh. trusting that even if it's slow growth, slow growth is really great growth because it's slowly preparing you. And more important than focusing on that light, us being in the spotlight, you know, sharing God's Word, is just building that light inside of us. Like, okay, mm-hmm. how can I grow in the Holy Spirit? How can I grow more Christ-like character so that mm-hmm. I'm growing and have more of God's Spirit inside of me? That that's going to be the best benefit. That's the biggest impact you can make to other people. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's We could just end it right there. That <laughs> is literally the truest thing. And I heard another quote that's similar of, like, if the calling on your life interrupts your connection to God, run. <laughs> like, yes. like, run away. Because that connection to the Lord, like that intimacy with Him, I think first of all, when you seek that first, you realize, okay, like that is the best part. Like that, that's better than like the calling. That's better than being in front of people. That's better than getting any attention for it. Like the real pleasure that comes with just knowing and enjoying God. There's nothing like that. And there never will be anything like that. Um, and it also reminds me of Psalm 37, 4 that says, take delight in the Lord and I'll give you the desires of your heart. I used to read that and I would say, all right, I'm just going to like spend time with God and then he'll give me every single thing I want. (laughs) But it's not really like that. It's more like, you know, you spend time with God and you realize he was what you wanted, like all along, just that, that intimacy and that wisdom and just the joy of, you know, fullness of joy is in his presence, eternal pleasures is right hand. Like that is truth. And, you know, and even though that's your greatest desire, He created your heart just to desire that and be satisfied in that. He also, you know, take delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. It's not just that He gives you what you want. He gives you what to want. Like He'll start turning your heart to desiring certain things that are of Him, you know. And again, going back to the fruit thing, like I was convicted um, a couple weeks ago when I was 
speaking to the at Donna Green Bible study, um, it went really well. And I got a lot of positive feedback and just girls coming up to me saying, this resonated with me, this resonated with me. Um, and then I came home and I just felt this like kind of conviction, you know, of like, you know, I'd kind of neglected my little brother that day who he wanted to hang out with me. And I'd kind of just been impatient with him of like, no, like I'm trying to study for this. And I kind of felt the Lord in my spirit just be like, what are you measuring your fruit by? Like, is it, is it just positive feedback from one teaching you gave? Or, you know, is it, were you patient with your brother? You know, like, were you, were you gentle with your, with your friend? You know, were you selfless and self-controlled when you were about to respond to that, you know, annoying little moment? Like, it's, like, that's what I want to measure my life by, just the fruit of the Spirit, not outward things, you know, like that people look at. People people look at the outward things, but the Lord looks at the heart. And, yeah, that just reminded me of that story. Yeah, and I love that you brought up that, that Bible verse, delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desire and he will give you the desires of your heart. I love that Bible verse too. And I used to think the same thing, like, oh, if I'm just praying and he's going to give me these blessings that I want. And my story, I've actually shared this in a post before, but I remember, you know, I wrote for seven years. I started writing because I needed an outlet when my kids were little. I didn't even write about parenting at first. I was writing fiction. I wanted a total escape from motherhood. So anyway, it was seven years. I'm thankful for it now, but it was like rejection. I'm the most sensitive soul. I I know now God was like, Hardening, not hardening me. He was making me tougher because I was mm-hmm. so sensitive, and so, mm-hmm. and I needed to, I needed to be able to, be able to put things out there and mm-hmm. not go well or have rejection, and know that if I'm doing what I'm, I feel like I'm called to do, then I've got to find peace with that. But anyway, I wrote for seven years, nothing happened, and you know, I really had to kind of make a choice along the way. And I started, I had a lot of personal things going. We had a tree fall in our house. I had a daughter have an allergic reaction that I mean, it took me to the brink of death, like. Oh, my word. And I realized in those moments, I was like, okay, what my faith looks like after a a near crisis like that looked different than what it looked like before when everything was good. And I didn't like that disconnect. And Mm -hmm. that's when God started really working on my heart. And over time, he started changing what I was even writing about. Mm -hmm. And so I slowly started writing more for moms, kind of writing more faith-based messages. And, um, you know, it didn't look like it was getting me anywhere for a long time. And I just had to make peace with that. And it was hard because Mm -hmm. I'm an impatient person. And like I said, goal-oriented used to working hard and you can make things happen. But the coolest thing was the door that opened, you know, with my first book. It was I wrote Tennels but True Girls Should Know. I'd taken this old blog post, put it out there. It went viral. Um, about a month later I heard from this editor, Thomas Nelson, and you know, they wanted to turn the book and the blog post into a book. And so that door opened up. And anyway, they they had to I had to give them some numbers before they had to get approval from their sales team. To, to make sure that that, you know, they felt like they could sell this book. And so I basically had to wait a month for them to let me know if this book deal would happen. And I will never forget the day that I found out. I mean, and this is like the culmination of a dream that I'd worked toward for seven years is to be able to get a book published by a real publisher. And not only that, this was like the world's largest Christian publisher. And I was, this is such a dream come true. But I remember driving down Montevallo Road and she called me and she said she wanted to come eat lunch with me in Birmingham and um, have me give me the contract. But they wanted to give me a, a contract for this book. And it was the most amazing moment. Like, wow, like this is what I have been working toward and praying <laughs> for. And Harry seen me crying so many nights going to bed. Like I'm working so hard and it's not happening. So anyway, that was great. You know, we came and, you know, she, we did the contract. That night I had a Rascal Flats concert with Sophie. 
I'd taken Ella to t- Taylor Swift, and so I had owed Sophie a concert, so it was her first concert. So we went to Tuscaloosa, and of course I was on cloud nine. It had just been a great day. So we were at the concert, and um, Sophie might have been, I think she might have been like third grade, and we were singing and dancing. We both had on our boots, like just having the best time, me and my daughter. And in that moment, I thought, man, this is the highlight of my day. This is the best part of my day. But it's like I felt that conviction from the Holy Spirit, and it occurred to mm-hmm. me that I'm like, you know what? If that book deal had come two years earlier, I don't think I would have said spending time with my daughter was the best time, best part of my day. Mm. I think I would have said that the book deal was the best part of my day. Mm. And I realized for God, I was like, you know what? Maybe that's why he made me wait was because my heart had to get in the right place. That for him to give me the desire of my heart, I had to take that. It was an idol in my life. Getting published was like this impossible dream. And I'd made an idol of it, you know, even putting it even above my family. And it just convicted me that I'm like, no, really, like, that's awesome. I'm excited about this book deal, but this is even better being with Sophie. Wow. And, yeah. um, and that was such a moment that it, it occurred to me that, you know, he will give us those desires of our heart. But right. like you said, sometimes he's got to shape us and prune us and get our heart in the right place first. Definitely. And that's such a cool story. And it reminds me, too, like when I was 14, I, when I started taking God seriously, <laughs> I remember being 16 and thinking in my head, I wish, like, I pray that God will just give me a chance to, like, speak to high school girls. Because I remember being in high school, wanting to speak into high school girls' lives, but knowing, like, it wasn't my time to speak, but just having things in my head and heart of, like, oh, I want to share that, I want to share that. And I even considered, you know, going straight to ministry school and, like, starting to do that at a younger age. I mean, God made it so clear. Every single green light pointed me to go to Auburn, and I'm so thankful looking back because that was exactly where I was supposed to be. But I think now, you know, I'm 22 and full circle, like complete alignment moment of God giving me an opportunity to speak into the lives of high school girls. And I laugh thinking about my 16, 17, eight-year-old self wanting to speak into the lives of high school girls because I'm like, that just would not be good for anyone to hear what I had to say at that age (laughs) because, I mean, I'm sure I had some wisdom, but just thinking on the intimacy with God that I grew in in college, like those four years of like really leaning on Him as my comfort, like really experiencing Him as my refuge, like as my strength, as an ever-present help in times of trouble, like as my delight, like those are the things. If something is imparted to high school girls or any person ever, it's that, just the joy that comes with knowing the Lord. And so I look back and I thank God for keeping me and for keeping me um, just not unseen, but just hidden and working on things in my heart until the time came to get to do that. And I'm sure, and I know there are so many other things he's working in my heart right now. And it's not to like be disappointed about because we'll always have things we're growing in, but it just makes me want to be aware. Okay, Lord, like search me, mm-hmm. test me, know my heart, know my anxious thoughts, like see if there's any offensive way in me, show it to me and then lead me in the way everlasting because you know, he wants to like partner with us. And also I think back to things that he might've asked me to give up, you know, like maybe my social media fear for a few months, or maybe, you know, I have friends that he asked them to give up, you know, drinking for 21 days of prayer or for a year. Maybe he's asked friends to give up their boyfriend, like break up with your boyfriend. There's so many things that like, kind of what you said, like when we have to give something up, it really tests our faith of like, is he actually like the most precious thing to me? Um, We all have testing moments like that. But it's crazy. Like when I think about the different stories and things, I've just realized, you know, 
he's asked me to give things up, he won't ever ask anyone else to give up, you know, or he's asked my friends to give things up that he won't ever ask me to give things up. And I'm like, why? Like, why is that so? It's because different things have our heart, you know, it's like, Oh, that's good. It just, it's all about what has our heart, you Mm -hmm. know, like he knows what has our heart and what we put on a pedestal above our connection and intimacy with him. And so, yeah, I think looking at it like that of like, he's asking you to give this up to give you something better. Like it's interrupting your intimacy with the Lord and anything that does that in the end will be a loss, you know, like even if it means, like even if you ignore that nudge to give, to break up with that boy or to give that up, it might, you you might get what you want in the moment, like that relationship or that whatever, but in the end, it'll be a loss, like a huge loss. Cause anything that I've just learned this too, as I've gotten older, like we see advantages and disadvantages one way, like, but in reality, anything that makes us aware of our need for the Lord is an advantage. Yes. Oh, that's so good. And I think too, and I can speak into this since I knew you a little bit in high school and now too, that um, I think you're right. And I think when you said that, you know, God put that desire in your heart, I, I always tell people like, pay attention to those, those, mm-hmm. th- those desires in your heart. Like if yes. you're really longing to lead a Bible study, like God does speak to us that way. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to a fiction writing conference and they, there was a session on Christian writing. And I remember thinking, I want to write for girl moms. And this, my kids were little, but I had that desire way before it even happened. But I remember like, I don't know why, I don't know how to do this, but I just had that desire. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important to be able to look back and Mm -hmm. say, or I hear from people, they're like, I really want to write this book. I don't know where to start. I have this idea. I'm passionate. And I'm like, write the book. You know, God would not give you that desire if there was not a purpose, even Mm -hmm. if you self-publish it. Like I know several people who have done that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'd much rather hear somebody write a book because they want to write a book and they have this idea they're passionate about and they really think will help people rather than somebody just wants to be a New York Times bestselling author or they just want, you know, to be able to say they wrote a book. Like that's not the right motivation. But I'm like, if your desire is there, like I don't think God gives us those good desires for the wrong reason. But what I love about you is that you would have been great with working with high schoolers, even as a high schooler. (laughs) I met you in high school and I was like, she is so joyful and precious going on the big time retreats. But I think what makes you so effective in your job now leading the Donna Green ministry is that you did go to college for four years. And, you know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes girls, which is nothing wrong with this, but sometimes girls want to go in ministry and they don't even go to college or they go to two years of college and then they start getting into ministry and they don't do a sorority Mm -hmm. and they don't do the things that a lot of girls today want to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think what makes you so, so powerful is that I'm like, our girls here are getting to see you know, what you lived out your faith in the world that they want to go into. That's not always, you know, it's not a Christian bubble necessarily. Mm. And so I think that's what makes you so powerful is as a mom, I know you're preparing these girls for what they're going to face. They don't know what they're going to face, but you know the realities of college. And that's why moms are, and dads are scared to death. You know, you can get really overwhelmed by your fears and anxieties when your child goes to college because mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to be around them. You don't know what's going to influence them. You don't know what choices they're going to make. And you just hope that you've prepared them and that God has them. Mm-hmm. And so you just appreciate, uh, I just love that you are preparing them for that world and they're going to listen to you in a different way than they would listen to their parents. And so now you're on the other side of that. You know exactly what you're preparing them for, those realities, but yet you're showing them an example of how to live it out in faith and what worked for you and what didn't work for you. And mm-hmm. that's what's going to make you even more powerful now working with these teenage girls than you might have been when you were 16 or 17 years old. Wow. So. Yeah. And what, what might have felt at 16 like a like a loss, like, oh, like it's actually like, 
a gain, even more of a gain, because not only did what you said, he did have that in store for me, but he had, you know, this whole new level of like being able to relate and being able to connect and like speak into situations and into certain relational things that I wouldn't have been able to if I had just skipped that step, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm so sweet you just said that. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot it reminds me, I meet so many people in ministry who have like just all kinds of stories, but I meet a lot of people. Um, you know, I've met several men who are just amazing in ministry. And mm-hmm. one thing that the people behind the scenes will tell me is like, yeah, he worked in the business world for a long time. So he has that mindset that he's bringing into this ministry. And so he's really good at making good use of our money. Mm-hmm. Or he's really good at relating to the men because they're in the business world. And so he they, or he understands reality or he made all these mistakes and he had his breakthrough moment, you know, come to Jesus moment when he was, you know, 25 or 30 or 35. Mm-hmm. But it's just such a testament that if you know if you're if you're being obedient and that you're listening to God and doing that next right thing that He's calling you to do, that He's going to get you where you need to be, mm-hmm. even that might be a longer road than we'd like it to be sometimes. Mm-hmm. I just thought about this story in Scripture. I hope it relates. But um, in First Samuel um, sixteen, I think when Samuel came to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king. And Jesse brought all of his sons before Samuel, except he left David in the field tending the sheep, the youngest. Um, And Samuel, you know, was going over the sons, and he kind of just realized, wait, none of these are it. And he was like, do you have any more sons? And Jesse said, well, yes, there's David. He's my youngest tending the sheep in the field. And Samuel was like, bring him in, like immediately. And so Jesse brought David in, and Samuel anointed him to be king. And it's just crazy because, you know, he he had the gift of, he was a great shepherd and he was also an incredible singer, um, but he didn't, he did not seem like the guy that was going to be anointed to be king. And, but he was anointed, but it was 23 years from that point to when he was appointed by the people to actually be king. And those 23 years, you know, he was still tending sheep. At one point he was delivering letters from his father to his brothers in war so basically like a literal mailman <laughs> and i think he like sang in the palace for the king and played instruments but and then finally he was appointed to be king but that just goes to show how you know he didn't really have the gift to be king <laughs> like he had the gift of tending sheep and to sing but god you know anointed him like to do that thing and he used all those years and years and years of like preparation and he got to watch other people come to be king and, you know, that weren't very good at it. And <laughs> it's just cool how he learned so much in those 23 years, I'm sure. But more than that, more than the outward preparation of that leadership, you know, God trusted him, you know, and he he had years to build that trust with God. Um, and it just points me to that truth of like, you know, when you're faithful with a little, God will trust you with more. And I think about David tending those sheep like that seems like a small thing you know of just literally in the field like a very low job but he was faithful with it and for whatever reason even among all his older handsome tall strong brothers and men God trusted David you know and so I'm like wow how much and then right after that of course he says first Samuel 16 7 it's people that look at the outward appearance and the Lord the Lord looks at the heart and so I think just realizing, you know, God could be building that trust with you right now. And don't discount where you're planted and the things He's trusted you this moment and this year. Um, 
and just steward that well. And you don't know like what God's going to trust you with after that. And it reminds me like in college, I had a small group almost every semester. I think the biggest one was 12 girls, but most of the time it was like six or seven or maybe eight. And just that weekend and week out time together, it didn't seem like this huge thing of like, you know, it's a few girls. It is huge because it's people's hearts. That's always a big thing. But I just think back to the weekend week out of like, you know, preparing a teaching or even if we were going through a book, like really studying up on it and having scripture to back it up or all of that was preparation, you know, and I just kind of feel the Lord being like, you know, I watched you be faithful with those girls and now I'm trusting you with this ministry and, and it literally feels like a dream come true and such an honor. And I still don't feel deserving of it because it's all God's grace, but I just love love that he you know we can build trust with God and in the same way that we can build trust we can also lose trust you know when we we it's be it's so easy to focus Lord like I'm I just like want to be the person on the stage you know or going to a church service being like oh I just like want to be that guy with a microphone it's like we all have moments like that or like oh I want to be like in that band that's releasing an album and going on tour or, oh I want to be that New York Times best-selling author we all have things like oh I want to get there and it goes back to what you said. It is God's grace to keep us from, from getting there because the light that's on you is brighter than the light that's in you. Like That light will destroy you and crush you and distract you from the main thing. Oh, that's so good. And you know, the, the theme that I'm finding through our conversation is really just making peace with whatever you're waiting for. Mm. And I didn't realize my husband is the most patient person and I'm the most <laughs> impatient person. You know, I'm like, get it done already. And so that is one thing that's been really hard for me is finding peace in the weight and finding contentment. And it's hard because we don't want to fight and we don't want to fall into the state of inertia. Like I'm just trusting God with my future. And yet we're not taking any steps. We're not, we're not, you know, taking any action steps to try to make, to, to walk into the calling that he's calling us to do that, the thing that, that hard thing that's taken us out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to be passive, but We've also got to know that, you know, there comes a point, and this was always such a relief to me growing up because I was such a type A personality, and I wanted to, I want A to B to equal C. I want my hard work to be rewarded. And if I had studied hard for a test, I wanted to get an A. And my dad would always tell me, he's like, Carrie, you just do your best and you leave the results to God. Mm-hmm. And I just, I've really had to make peace with that. And that is the one thing that has probably helped me the most with my anxiety is just know that, you know what? I've done my part and I've got to leave the results to God. Or, you know, I've, I've, I've planted the seeds and I know I need to plant and I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. in this waiting period and I've got to trust God with that. But I do think that's so hard for us to do. You know, we're all waiting for something. And even that Dr. Seuss children's book that, you know, a lot of people give us a graduation gift, oh, the places you will go, mm-hmm. talks about, oh, your life's going to be great and these highs and these lows. And then it's like, but then you get to the waiting place and it's a long place. <laughs> it's like several pages where it talks about, the waiting place where it can get lonely and really Mm -hmm. hard. And that's something that nobody really prepares you for. And I I think that, you know, young girls who are listening to this, what they sometimes don't realize that we know as moms is that they're looking on social media and all you're seeing, especially with the the people who have a lot of followers, you're seeing the best of the best, the most successful in every category out there. Mm -hmm. So it looks like if you want to be a musician, oh, how did she get a million followers? You know, you're Mm -hmm. not seeing the 10 or 20 years of blood and sweat and tears it took for her to get there. Right. Or maybe somebody wasn't overnight success, but you don't know what it took for them to get there. Mm-hmm. And so you're just saying you don't know the whole story, you know, mm-hmm. how hard it is, and it's not what you're seeing online. Mm-hmm. And so it's just so hard to feel like a failure and inadequate or I'm doing something wrong because I'm still waiting. And look, her, her boat, her ship is sailing in. 
And I think for girls, especially that we're so prone to compare ourselves. And yes. that's really what undermines friendships is because mm-hmm. you're like, if you're in that lonely, dark waiting place and your friend mm-hmm. is getting a boyfriend or getting engaged, and that's been a desire in your heart since you were three years old, then it's hard for you to be happy for her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we've really got to be aware of in ourselves is yes. that you've got to get your heart in the right place and like be able to celebrate your friends when they're in these these good places. And right. and if you're not there, it's okay. That's when you take it to God. He yes. knows your heart. It's just more of your desire to get there. But I, I remember a friend of mine, when I told her I was pregnant, she had been trying to get pregnant for years. I mean, she, she had years of infertility before she even told her friends. And finally told us when they were about to go adopt a baby. And we were all so excited for her. And she was like, thank you for being excited for me because they told some people and they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. You'll get pregnant. You know, you'll get pregnant. You'll probably get pregnant now that you're going to adopt. And she was like, we really were at such a place of peace. Like we were excited about adopting. And and so anyway, we were thrilled for her. And shortly after that, I told her that I was pregnant and she was truly happy for me. And a few days later, she told me, she's like, I realized you know, when you told me that you were pregnant, that was a dream in her heart ever since she was a little girl was to be pregnant. But she goes, you were the first person who told me they were pregnant that I genuinely felt happy for. Mm. And she's like, before that, it had just been years of pain every time she heard that news. But she realized that she had grown spiritually and grown and matured in that way. And I think that's what God is wanting for us. Mm -hmm. It's not that we're perfect. We never get angry or bitter or jealous. It's that we're taking these things to Him and we're saying, okay, God, my heart is not in the right place. I want to be happy for my friend, but I'm not. I'm angry. I'm jealous. Root it out. You know, take my anxious thoughts, my ugly thoughts, make them captive to Christ. Renew my mind. Renew my heart. And, you know, make it make it to where I truly can be celebrating mm-hmm. this person who's getting yes. what I want, even though I'm still waiting yes. for this. And just trusting that, okay, maybe this dream isn't coming true, but he's going to bless you yeah. in other ways and really just trusting that. It reminds me of the parable of the workers in the vineyard when... Um, you know, the landowner went out early to hire workers to come work, and he ag- he agreed to pay them a certain reward at the end of the day for their um, time. But then, you know, it goes on to say, like, about 9 in the morning, he saw others standing around in the marketplace, and he's like, come work in my vineyard. I'll pay you whatever's right. So they went. He came out at noon, and then 3 in the afternoon, and I think 5 in the afternoon, and he just— you know, when the day was over, he comes in to pay his workers for their wages and or for how much they had worked. And the ones who had come in at five o'clock got the same reward as the ones who had been there at the beginning of the day. And they were like, um, those who were hired last only worked an hour and you've made us equal. You've literally made them equal to us who have been, you know, working in the heat of the day since morning. And he was basically just like, didn't you agree to work for a certain reward? Like, just take it and go. Like, I, like, what is it to you? Like, why are you envious? Because I'm generous. And I think all of us have that heart of like, we're like, what? And even in the Gospels, I think it's in John, when Jesus basically tells Peter a horrible prophecy of like, this is what's going to happen to you in the future. And like, just a long list of things he's not going to want to do. And Peter's response was, well, what about John? Jesus is like, if I want him to remain alive until I return, like, what is that to you? Like, you must follow me. And I think it's that same call to all of us. Like, we must follow him and, like, be faithful to what he is calling us to. And at the, at the end of the day, knowing that our reward is him, you know, just intimacy with him, that well done, good and faithful servant is what we're after. That's so good. And on a final note, we, we talked about this before, but, you know, how we were— 
you know, we often think we want total clarity from God. Yes. And really, sometimes we just get discernment. Mm-hmm. And Charles Spurgeon said that discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. Mm. And sometimes it's just those, those little steps forward. It's those little instincts that we have today. We're not mm-hmm. getting clarity. God's not going to give us the whole map of how to live out our Christian life. Mm-hmm. But He will give us enough, the grace to know what we need to do today. And yes. then tomorrow He's going to give us the grace to know what to do tomorrow. Yes. And... Um, Comparing this to writing, I mean, this is my favorite quotation on writing a book, but it applies to life too. And I can't remember who said it, but he said that writing a book is like driving a car at night, that you can only see as far as your headlights, but you can make the whole trip that way. Mm. And it's so true. You know, so many times when I was getting up, especially this last book, I'm like, I'm really unsettled because I don't have the whole map. I don't have it all mapped out up front. Mm -hmm. And it came together, but I really had to pray and lean into my faith and trust God. Mm -hmm. And it was such a blessing because that keeps you humble and it makes you realize it's not you and you're anything that's coming. So your light or anything, it's just, it's all a total reliance on God, how Mm -hmm. we need Him not only for our callings, but we need him to be kind and compassionate and forgiving and mm-hmm. to have, you know, to have these renewed minds in Christ. And so really just knowing that, you know, we're not going to get the roadmap. You know, that's really important for college students to know. But, you know, you felt God calling you to be still and really you, you felt peace in that mm-hmm. and just really trusting in God's plan and mm-hmm. knowing that you're being a light that way, because even that might look odd to someone else that they're learning from your example and they're going to learn to trust God in their life just by watching you. And what you said about driving a car at night is like writing a book. He, it's the same thing with the Word. He says His Word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And if you have a lamp on, you can only see like two or three steps ahead of that lamp. But that just goes to show how, you know, I take three steps after reading the Word. I go back to the Word. Take a couple more steps, back to the Word. Like that's what it should look like in terms of reading the Word. And yes, 100% not discounting those nudges or those thoughts or those desires you have in your heart because, you know, he's the author of your thoughts. He's the creator of your heart. And it, he, he does bring things up that he just brings up in you. And so don't just dismiss them. It's like, oh, that was just a random thought or, you know, cause maybe it was a random thought, <laughs> but just bringing it before the Lord, like inviting him to use those and to show you what to do with them. Like you'll never regret that. I agree 100%. Uh, Mary Lauren, thank you so much for coming back on. We don't know what our next topic will be, but I guess we'll decide that after this one. Mm-hmm. That, that's the fun part of this. But I always learn so much from you. Um, I just I know that you speak not only to the mothers, but to so many girls who might be listening. And so I think our parting message to anyone who is listening is just to know that you don't have to have your whole life mapped out and that, you know, you're not going to run God's plan for your future. If you do take a misstep or get off track, that He's going to create another way. Yes. And if a door doesn't open, He's going to create another way. And just really finding peace in that mm-hmm. and just looking at the next few steps that you're feeling Him calling you to take and just being obedient in those steps. And just know as you take those steps, He's going to reveal your future steps after that. It might be two steps at a time, three steps at a time, but that's enough to help you in your faith walk kind of go in the direction that you want to go. Yeah. Just take the pressure off because we are not big enough to mess up God's plan for our life. That's right. That's right. And we can find hope and comfort and peace in that. Mm-hmm. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm so grateful to have you here. And if you enjoyed the show, please follow the Girl Mom Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen and leave a ratings or review so others can find these messages too. Also, my new book for moms called More Than a Mom, How Prioritizing Your Wellness Helps You and Your Family Thrive 
is now available everywhere books are sold. This book is for girl moms and boy moms and full of encouragement no matter what season of parenting you're in. Find the link to this book and my other books in the show notes. Thanks again for your support and have a great day.